Come on around back, Arizona, Saturday morning, 8 o'clock, the outdoor living hour of Rosie on the house. If you're following along in our homeowner handbook, you know today we're talking cool season flowers. And we've got Jay Harper in studio to talk us through it. You can join the conversation at one 767 4348 That's one 888 for you Text questions can be sent to 411923 or you can snap a picture and email it to info at rosieonthehouse.com. And we're actually going, uh, we sent the final copy for 2024 Ow. homeowner handbook to print. Ow. They'll get mar- mailed out the first week of December. So if you're not already uh, receiving a free copy of the homeowner handbook and calendar, you can uh, go to rosieonthehouse.com. We used to say send us an email with your address, and I mean, you can still do that to info at Rosie on the House, but it's actually better if you go click on our e store. And sign up through uh, there and Shopify because it verifies the address. A lot of people will send us an email with their address. And then after we mail it back, we get like a couple hundred return addresses. People uh-huh. transpose the numbers number. on the wrong or, you know, lane instead of street or whatever the case may be. Or their zip code, they put numbers backwards. So if you go through Shopify, it'll verify your your mailing address. So you can be sure it gets to you. And I get to say something today, Jay, I haven't said in a long, long time. We got rain. Hey, rain. <laughs> I'll be glad and Amen, rejoice rain. in that. Now, Romeo, on 2023 handbook, did you call out last night for rain? When you <laughs> when you put the, the calendar handbook together last year? We did not. Oh, because I figured with today's topic, you uh, knew that we'd be needing to talk about this because i was gonna say could you just could you just program more rain days into next year's calendar and i i sure wish it worked that way <laughs> well I, we plug know, it in every week <laughs> so we were talking before the show that it's the first significant rain since at, at we live in the same neighborhood rosie and i everybody said this is the first major rain since september i don't remember that i don't remember, I don't remember Maybe getting one during the monsoon, so probably since March. Yeah, my, my rain gauge says the last measurable rain at my house was March. Wow! Now I heard a news report this week that said Sky Harbor got three one hundredths of an inch. Now, how do you record three one hundred? <laughs> and Sky Gary, could you call Royal Norman at home? Wake him up. I got a question for him. When does it go from three one hundredths to a trace? I, I, yeah, how I, small do you have to get to call it a trace? It must be really small. A trace of rain. Put a, paper a real t- small ruler to that, figure that a out. A paper towel out there, if it got a little bit of wet dampness on it, it's a trace. I don't know. Could have been a flock of birds for a, yeah, for a trace. Right. But, uh, yes, very nice rain. Still raining, looks like, in places maybe. And uh, I, I'm sorry it's a Saturday, but other than that, we don't have much choice in it, and we needed it bad, so... Bring it on. Bring it on. When we're going to our cool season flowers, uh, I would imagine everything in the nursery this morning looks more vibrant than oh, it did two sure. days ago. Yeah. It'd There's be real something easy about to go on rain. a spending spree. Yeah. <laughs> be something about a rain. You just look, the grass is greener. The flowers are more vibrant. It's just instant nutrition <laughs> for the plants. Relief. Yeah. Yeah, they're breathing a sigh of relief. The dust, the coating of dust got washed off. Um, yeah, so it's kind of interesting what we plant for cool season 
flowers here. If, if you're from the Midwest, you know, we're planting what you planted for your summer garden. So petunias and pansies and geraniums and alyssum and you know, the list is just really too long to, to go on about. But uh, it's, it's, it's a great time of year to plant winter, you know, color. And if you've got, you know, big holiday week coming up, um, so you've got visitors coming, guests, family coming, um, you know, grab a pot or two of something and put it by the front door or just to spruce things up, get things, you know, from that old drab summer look to, to instant spring in my case, I just call it spring from here on, but, um, I, it's, uh, it, it, there's nothing really like a splash of color. So I have a neighbor at the end of our cul-de-sac that just redid his whole front yard, and he put a row of pots, really nice, colorful ceramic pots out, and he's got them all in petunias and different things. It just looks, it just takes that, you know, all the gravel and, the, you know, the slump block house and everything else and just gives it some pop. You know, the curb appeal is fantastic. And it's a great thing if you're selling a house we get to the rosy on the house part of this if you're if you're selling a house there's you know curb appeal right now we're getting into kind of a buyer's market a little bit um from what i understand uh you know if you're a seller and you want to attract attention some curb appeal with some color a couple big pots of geraniums might go a long way to getting noticed so a lot of reasons to do it and and of course we can still plant cool season vegetable gardens you know, for several months yet, you can keep adding to, um, augmenting, changing. You know, as you harvest a row of spinach, you can plant another one. Uh, you know, so if you forgot, it's not too late. Um, and then uh, pre-emergent, we ought to talk about pre-emergent herbicides with, the, with this rain and more coming. Uh, rumors have it that they're, we're into a fairly significant uh, El Nino, which could be, you know, some rain this winter, hopefully. Uh, hopefully this is just the start. So um, great time to get pre-emergent. It's never, it's never a bad day to put pre-emergent down. And with the extra moisture that we've received, yeah, that will help activate it even further? Yeah, so you have to activate it. You know, uh, you have to, whether you're using a granular or a liquid pre-emergent, you have to get it into the into the soil so wash down through so yeah but the best time to put it on is right before or during a rain so that it gets you know watered in and looking out the studio right now i don't see any current drops but the ground is very wet Mm -hmm. if i went and put out pre-emergent got my you know weed spreader seed spreader filled it up with pre-emergent ran it out through the rocks and around the landscape and lawn with as wet as it is, do I still need to go back and hose it in? Well, if it, you know, I mean, I would probably wait the day and overnight and see if we got more rain, but if we didn't, yeah, you'd still, you know, I don't think it's so wet, especially if you've got fairly good size rock material as a ground covering, it's just going to sit up on that rock and you want, you don't want it to dissolve, to dissolve and just stay on on that rock. You want it down, Uh, down below that so yeah you'd need to get it washed off and watered in even but it takes a lot less water to do that 
if the ground's already good and soaked. And, it's and the not- same way with fertilizer. You know, I mean, if you've got a winter lawn and you've mowed it a couple times, get some fertilizer on there. It's a beautiful day to do that. And there's nothing in the material of pre-emergent or fertilizer right now that if I put it on and waited a day or two to see if we got more rain, it's still a usable product. I haven't wasted that. Yeah, pre-emergent, if it gets exposed to sunlight for probably more than a couple of days, that's not a good thing. We don't think we have to worry about that today. <laughs> it doesn't look like it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know, a day or two is no, no worries, but not much longer than that. Fertilizer... You know, in cool weather like this, it's not going to hurt anything. It's just not going to do you any good if it's not down where the roots can start absorbing it. And it's funny. We used to always talk about how rain sensors aren't, uh, you know, we don't really get enough rain in the desert to make rain sensors worth it or not. But I <laughs> I forgot to turn off my sprinklers on the way. So I know at 9 o'clock this morning, my front lawn sprinklers are going to go off and Talk about a waste. Uh, yeah, <laughs> to well, text them. Go turn. Go throw the switch on the on the irrigation off. Yeah, or just you know now turn it. Turn it. You've got a good soaking, so now it can go just even longer, uh, as long as you make that adjustment. And hey, even without the rain, if you haven't adjusted your sprinkler controller between now and summer, you, guess what? You can. <laughs> it's 70 degrees, 75 degrees now, not 110. So we can we can really adjust those irrigation controllers, even if it hadn't rained, uh, you know, probably half of what you were doing uh, in July or August. Half is frequent anyway. I, I, I'm a big advocate of not messing much with the duration of the runtime on your sprinkler controller, but severely uh, addressing the frequency. So if you were watering once every five days, you can go 10 days now. If you were twice a week, you can go, you know, a week. So, you know, we're, we're getting into that time of year now where you really need to pay attention. And there's been some winters where you could just turn that sucker off and leave it off, even with the winter grass. It seemed like last year was one of those. Yeah, last year was pretty good. Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned grass because I've got our seed. I just haven't overseeded yet. Uh, we finally have a weekend here where we're You don't home. have the bag of seeds sitting outside, do you? No, no, okay. no. <laughs> I've done that in the back of the pickup. I had grass growing in the back of my pickup truck. A chia pet bag of grass. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, but I've been sitting on it waiting for the perfect weekend. And uh, this weekend, you know, we'll be home and get that done. Uh, but it's it's really interesting. Where our mulberry trees are, half of our lawn regrew from last year. Yeah. And what's really interesting is in the deep shade where you can tell it hardly gets any sun, it's a very dark green. And then there's about a two-foot stretch where it's ryegrass from last year, but it's a much lighter green. Mm -hmm. Like, I know I didn't have two different seeds. It's just interesting to see how the light and the shade has affected that. And the blades will be even a little bigger and thicker because, you know. So in darker conditions, leaves have to get much bigger to be able to capture, you know, what light there is for photosynthesis. So you get bigger leaves. That, that, yeah, it's not uncommon for plants that are somewhat shaded to have a much different looking foliage uh, than the same plant if it's out getting more sun. 
Questions about your landscape or garden? Join the conversation. one 767 rosie for you. Now, when we were talking cool season flowers in the first segment, you mentioned the color. Coming up to the holidays, is it too early to get some Christmas color up? Because we've got some great plants that work great in Arizona. Last weekend in Marana, the, the city of Marana already has a their Christmas tree up in front of their, well, I got, their I, building. I mean, they've got a huge Christmas tree. There's a house down the street from me that's got... Is fully decorated. Yeah, they've got all those. They've got a a village of blow up those air blow up inflatable characters, and it's full blown Christmas. Well, and at their house. So, in addition to seating, I'm going to be putting up the lights because if we've got too much going on on Thanksgiving weekend, then we've got the NFR the first week of December. And by that time, if I don't get them up now, I'd be like, it's a week away. I'm, well, I'm not yeah. going to mess with this. Yeah. <laughs> Well, plus, if you got to walk around on the grass, it's better to do it now than on fresh, newly planted dry grass. So, yeah, I could see that. So, yeah, you know, uh, Trina brought a poinsettia home yesterday. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, yeah, you could do poinsettias. I think you can find them now. Um, if you want to do some pots of those at the front door, not a bad idea. Um, but you can do great Christmas colors with red and white geraniums, red and white petunias. Um, you know, they, they make, you know, really festive-looking uh, colors with, with those, too. So then then after Christmas, you're not locked in. You know, the poinsettia is going to continually go downhill, and those will look look better as the season goes on. Jay, can you talk us through the difference between planting those beautiful petunias, whatever flowers you bring home, in the ground and in a pot, and even in a hanging pot, because those, those are all three things I do, but I don't always have complete success. Okay, well, the difference in, you know, if they're in a flower bed in the ground, you know, the key there is preparing the soil. You know, it's not, you know, you, you have native soil there that needs, you know, some organic material and needs to be amended pretty well before you, you go and plant. So lots of good, rich, organic material, you know, worked into the soil, you know, six, eight, ten inches deep, maybe add a little gypsum to kind of counteract some of the alkalinity that we have here. And then, you know, I like to throw in some some organic, you know, fertilizer uh, just lightly when I, when I plant and then continue to do that after uh, planting about every six or eight weeks. Quick question about that. Mm-hmm. Do you have dogs where you put that organic <laughs> fertilizer? Oh, well, now there's always that caveat. But, you know, the nice thing is that, you know, you're, you're feeding the dogs and the plants at the same time. No, <laughs> but then your flowers are all over the yard. Yeah, no, if you have flower beds in ground and you've got dogs particularly, uh, yeah, you can't. Yeah. Or the neighborhood cats. Yeah. Those always drive Well, me that's nuts. a whole other issue. But, uh, yeah, dogs love... The smell of bone meal, blood meal, chicken manure, uh, you know, any of that. So you're kind of stuck probably to using maybe a liquid um, okay. type fertilizer on those so that uh, 
the odor doesn't uh, persist very long, and mm. you can get uh, you know a number of different water solubles and liquids that work really well, and just you know water them lightly with that every time you water if you want. Um, pots and hanging baskets are pretty much the same. You know, good potting soil, well drained potting soil. Don't use. I see a lot of people because they don't want to buy as much potting soil. Put just native Arizona soil in the bottom of their pots. Don't don't do that, please. Um, it it you know it's clay. It's gonna eventually plug up the holes in the bottom of your pots. Um, if you're really concerned and you don't need and you got big deep and I have some that are three feet tall, big big concrete pots. Um, you know, you can use gravel. You can use layers of things. I've even used those styrofoam packing peanuts uh, at the base. Cardboard. Oh, just shredded up cardboard boxes. Stuff like that. But don't use native Arizona soil at the bottom of your pots or raised planters or any of any of that type of thing. But hanging baskets... Um, they just dry out really quick here. You know, we don't have many days like we're having today. We have, you know, lots of sunshine and, and very dry temperatures, and those hanging baskets tend to dry out very quickly. So really uh, pay attention to even in cool weather how much water those need. And I'm a big advocate of, of big pots. Little pots, again, dry out so fast, and as the plant grows and the roots take up more and more space in that pot uh, you know they just dry out quicker so uh, that might be yeah. like your little indoor succulent that's on your window yeah that, yeah exactly uh, when in doubt go bigger on the pots um, which leads you back to more potting soil which you know find an alternative to fill the bottom of those pots up with but the but anytime you've got container gardens you know the the reg, you're watering more than in the ground so you need to fertilize more um, that sort of thing so hope that helps she's shaking her head yes okay. so that obviously yes, you had some much. pearls out of there I was actually taking notes <laughs> oh okay <laughs> i was gonna put a facebook post up with some pretty red and white flowers <laughs> Oh, what a beautiful yeah, I day. To, I used to feed my lawn with, with uh, chicken manure pellets, and the, you can see the dogs out there grazing. <laughs> <laughs> it was lunchtime. Yeah. <laughs> not be excited about a day like today pretty cool it's so different you know people you go on vacation i don't know if this happens to you but i go on vacation somewhere and it'll it'll be raining and people will apologize for that and be like oh no 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 this is awesome <laughs> we got like 10 days of this at home last year you know i'm, I'm kind of enjoying it <laughs> you know you know what cracks me up though when you see people and there's like, you know, little tiny raindrops coming down in Arizona. And they're like huddled underneath. Like, I didn't move here for this. I'm like, 10 days out, of, like you said, 10 days out of a year, are you so inconvenienced? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then they actually, when I see somebody that has an umbrella in Arizona, I'm like, really? 
There was a guy. There was a guy <laughs> walking an umbrella? his. There was a guy walking his dog this morning though, and he's going down Bell Road, and the water was to the top of the gutters. <laughs> and some guy in a little car was staying. He was going to stay in that curb lane, and you see this guy walking the dogs, and man, he got way he away got from the bat. road. <laughs> no, he was smart enough. He saw it coming. <laughs> And we'll get into it a little bit in uh, the home improvement hour, but that that does add, uh, you know, you know, water and drainage does become an issue because we get so little of it that it's not something that a lot of people over engineer for when they're building. Yeah, no, it, it, well, it used to be really bad, you know, in the seventies when they were just blading over little desert washes and putting in subdivisions. <laughs> and oh, darn! Guess what happened? <laughs> We got a big rain. That used to run water. Well, it's still running water. It's just running it right into your house. <laughs> <laughs> or in somewhere you didn't need it to be, yeah. that's for sure. And then flat roofs. I'm the I'm the proud owner of a house with a flat roof. So, you know, it's you know, get up and coat the roof every year and you know, trying to keep try and keep the you know, everywhere every corner that there's a there's a downspout in, try and keep that all coated so it doesn't water doesn't sit and leak through. It's a, the great you know, things good about I, Arizona. Whose good idea that, <laughs> that was, but yeah. Uh, so when we're looking at water, and you know, tur- you mentioned we could turn off of our irrigation. You know, a rain like this in the weather, I mean, it, it could be weeks before you had to turn it back on. Well, for for arid adapted plants that are in a in a, a gravel or granite landscape, yeah, it could probably you know you could be going ten days, two weeks now anyway. So maybe even a month. Now, if you've got, you know, pots or vegetable gardens or <clears throat> that sort of thing, it, you certainly can't go along. But you can go a few more days for sure. And, and the, the main thing is you should have adjusted anyway, regardless of the rain. I guess that's the point I'm trying to make is we are now – so I used to tell people, if whatever you're watering in the summertime and you're, if you're keeping your plants relatively healthy and they look good in the summertime, then come whatever you want to call fall, you can go, you know, half of that. And then when we get into winter, so from Thanksgiving to Valentine's Day, let's just say, you can go half of that again. And if it rains enough, you can flat turn it off. So learn, go, go make friends with your sprinkler controller and learn where it is. So many people don't even know where the thing is. They've got a landscaper and he does all of that and, you know, that sort of thing. The best thing probably for those folks is to get, you know, one of these that you can get on a Bluetooth and on a Wi-Fi and, you know, control it from your phone or whatever and, you know, monitor it better. Or, uh, but, you know, that's... You just need to, you know, you just need to do these things. That's how we're going to save water. And 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 if we don't, somebody's going to make you do it. Mandates or you yeah, know. yeah, or, you know, I'm 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 shocked we haven't gotten to that point now. You know, we're, years ago, you know, in the '70s, we had a bad drought. Colorado went to, you know, if you lived on this side of the street, you could only water these days, or if you live, you know, that sort of thing. That's what's going to happen if if we don't act responsibly and and take some ownership of our own water usage and those smart irrigation timers you know what i don't have one yet you know mine i had to replace it about five years ago and it's a hunter and it's good it's Uh got you know 
works off of a seven day calendar and you know schedule up to twelve different stations and everything and it's you know it works great but that is one thing that I'm like I being able to control it and set it on a on an app is is ideal and yeah. being able to monitor your gallon usage and you know that those kinds of things are because you, you have irrigation drip emitters and you can kind of calculate what what your water usage is yep. but being able to monitor it digitally that's that's something yeah, it, I, I think about every time I'm out there messing with it. it it would be pretty pretty nice to be able and you could be on vacation and look at the weather and go hey we got an inch of rain shut and it off turn it off you know so that's kind of cool the the old original smart controllers that didn't have that capability but they were supposed to sense the humidity and sense the rainfall and had tensiometers or whatever and I, I've heard mixed reports on those and they were pretty hard to use. Um, they, these just with an app and a and a wireless connection to your controller where you could at least just manually manipulate it from a from an app from your phone. Um, I think that's a pretty pretty sharp deal. That is definitely something that we had to struggle work through on technology that these things and these new devices and these features came out, but they were so labor intensive to make them work. Nobody ever used them yeah. effectively. It's kind of like, nobody, it's kind of like new cars we were talking about. It was all the all this smart stuff, you know, all these things on your new cars. Like I have no idea how to do that, <laughs> and I'm not sure I want it to do that anyway. <laughs> oh, you can't. Open the door without something beeping at you. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of cool stuff on the new ones, but there's some stuff that will drive you nuts. <laughs> and uh, there's any area of technologies like that. You know, there's always that, you know, kind of getting over the hill on, yeah. you know, f- functionality versus ease of use and understanding it. Yeah. So uh, anyway, I think the wireless, the you know, with a phone app is is really a, a good move. If that will help you, uh, you know, introduce yourself to your water to your irrigation controller, then I think it's a it's pretty cool. Or better yet, get one and let your kids download the there app and go. have them do it for you. <laughs> and when we're talking water savings and being responsible and using, if you are looking to switch to a more desert adapted landscape you check with your local city because a lot of them offer rebates uh for going to a more desert adapted you know when you rip out the lawn yep now there are stipulations on what you put back in there uh can determine whether or not you're going to get that rebate and and when you say rebate it's a credit credit on your water bill um but yeah still um you know, it could be could be a few hundred bucks, um, which you know. And if you're switching anyway, about. take advantage of it. Well, right, exactly. But you do have to start early in the process because they they generally come out and measure and you know do all of that. So don't I don't think you can wait till you're done and then go to <laughs> and that. then apply for yeah. it. <laughs> what you got? You and Rosie had a challenge over the last couple of years on reducing water use. What was the biggest factor that you did that changed the amount of water consumption? Uh, well, in my case, it was he just cheated. Ta- <laughs> cheated, yeah. <laughs> in my case, it was taking out grass. I mean, I just eliminated the lawn. Uh, the lawn. You know, that was 
that was a super big game changer. Um, uh, the other thing I did, um, and I didn't have a lot of gravel in beds, but I went to all all bark in my planting areas. So I have bark mulch instead of rock. And that's uh, that's made a huge difference on the health of the plants through the, through this bad something, you know, Ju- uh, July that we had. Mm. I hate to say summer. You know what? July transformed everybody's thoughts of summer. They don't remember how nice May and June were. <laughs> Amen. I it, mean, you know, it was half of June was cooler than yeah. normal. Oh, no, I mean, it was ridiculous. It's we didn't just, even have a hundred yeah. degree day hardly in right. June. You know, I mean, and then July was awful, granted, but it doesn't mean the whole summer was bad. And then, you know, August was August. Um, I would say it was pretty normal, and we've had a really a nice fall. September, you know, cooled off enough, and October was, you know, so. Um, but anyway, through that, I, you know. You know, I had some stress on some plants, but the bark mulch just made a huge difference. And so you had, what, like quarter minus before that, and you raked it out? I didn't even rake it out. I just went over the top of it. Okay. <laughs> I don't do anything I don't have to do. <laughs> it, it, it'll all just make its way into the soil. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I just, you know, I, I pretty much re-landscaped, replanted other than my big citrus trees. Um, it's all new planting. But, um, yeah, using – and I just – I like – I've always liked – you know, back when I grew up in the nursery landscape industry, the typical landscape was, was lawn and then usually redwood header dividing the lawn from a planter bed and a big, you know, planter bed, which you irrigated with bubblers. You flooded the bed. But in that bed, you put, you know, pebble bark. And I just, I just have always loved the look of bark in beds. Uh, if you go to the southeast, pine straw, pine needles in beds, mulch beds. I just, I, I don't know. It just, I think it's just a way better look, even in low water use landscapes. With, and I've gone to all. I've got agaves and different things, and they just, it. I just like the look, you know. So, and. Where did you get the bark? Because there, there's places like uh, Chip Drop as uh, a website you can go to, and you can sign up. And as a yeah. tree crew comes through, you know the the guys with the wood chippers behind the dump truck that they just mulch the branches right into. You know if they can come drop that off at your house, and I I do like that. Uh, it's it's a great use of material, but you don't have any control over what's in it yeah exactly so that's not really your decorative uh side it's it's not in the backyard decorative if you're doing big areas or you know what i used to i my neighbor and i split a load of that and i we talked about the raised planters that's what i used as the first six or eight inches in my raised planters was the chip chip stuff but yeah you get a lot of stuff in there that's it's not real decorative um the decorative stuff most of your sand and gravel material places a a materials pioneer they sell really nice uh uh ground and you can get different sizes uh, of of bark material it's not bark it's you know it's chipping but they you know it's good stuff and it's all screened so that it's all kind of one size and that's, that's really nice. Hello, I'm Fred Wilshire. I'm the president of the Wilsh Corporation. You're listening to Rosie on the House. <laughs> 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 
beautiful Arizona Saturday morning to you all. Thank you for spending your morning with us. We're working our way through the Landscape Garden Hour, and we've talked about a lot of different things. Um, next hour, we're talking about long and short-term rental homes. How does that affect the landscape side? Because it, uh, mm. you know, you've got to attract yeah, no, the yeah. the renter. Uh, you know, it's almost like you, unless you live close by, you, you almost have to hire a landscape service company now to keep everything trans mode, you know. So I have, we have one right across the street and they have a property manager and, and I would say all in all, they've done a, a very good job. They have a landscape service that comes in and the place has to look good. Um, there, there's been some issues where they've overfilled garbage cans and, you know, done some things. And uh, you the know. landscape crew, <laughs> no, Grass no, the people, no, the people using it. <laughs> um, the landscape side of it, I think, you know, by and large, there's a couple in the area that I know are short-term rentals, and they are better looking from a landscape side, from a curb appeal. Than that than they were when somebody was occupying it as a permanent owner, <laughs> yeah. and some of them by leaps and bounds better looking. So there are some benefits. You, you got to have those pretty pictures online for look people. Good. <laughs> yep, it's got to look good. Um, but you know, my neighbor that's right next door to this has you know some issues that I'm sure will come up during your hour. <laughs> I would think for a short-term rental, that would be the first thing I would do is, is get it as desert-friendly as possible to reduce the amount, you know, I mean, well, of work that needs to go into oh, absolutely. it. Absolutely, but you know, with they've got a big, beautiful artificial turf front yard and gravel, and you know, there's it's minimal planting, but it looks nice. All the it's it's never that's never been an issue, other than the couple of times that they put too much in the garbage can and then they and then they went around to the other neighbors and put stuff in their garbage cans oh that'll that, that'll win you some some good friends some good neighbors uh, now planting season i mean we've with this rain what better day to go out there and dig a spot for a tree than right now oh man i mean i'm all for not sweating you know <laughs> so yeah the cooler and you know, that let that soil's gotten soaked up a little moisture in it. At least the first few inches are going to be easier. Um, but uh, and and this is the best time to in of the year to plant a, anything really, really nearly, but especially trees. Um, it's easier to dig the hole because it's not as hot. The tree is not going to be as needy of water, um, even if it doesn't rain. You know, it's not transpiring. Um, so the roots can settle in. The soil is warmer. The soil and water temperatures don't change as rapidly as the air. So the soil is still relatively warm compared to the air temperature. So you get a little incubation and the roots start, continue to grow and root in. And the plant can be totally established before we get hot late next spring. So you gain virtually almost a whole year uh, if you plant in the wintertime on, on trees. I have a volunteer Palo Verde, and I've got a lot more respect for the Palo Verde. I mean, it's our state tree. We've got the beautiful flowering. But I, I keep thinking this is the wimpiest tree because it seems like every time I go out there, another branch has fallen off. I'm like, but like two weeks later, you can't even tell. It completely yeah. repairs itself. It's got a new flush. It's 
I, I hardly do anything to it, and it keeps itself very symmetrical. It just seems like always something breaking, but a new shoot comes right out and replaces it. A lot of times these desert trees, because we are watering them. And this is a volunteer. I, I don't okay. touch it at all. It's but, not, but, but I'm just saying in a, lot know, of a lot, in a lot of applications, because we're now watering them, they grow faster than they would normally, and they're more brittle or <clears throat> more subject to breaking because we're, we're giving them too much of a good thing. Um, in nature, though, like I said, you know, usually if something breaks, it heals on its own. It's you know recovers. It's you know not not that big a deal. Yeah, it and how fast it replaces itself symmetrically is, is very impressive. You know, mm-hmm. just completely protecting itself from the sun and creating that rain canopy. It, I've I've got a lot more respect for. As long as they volunteer in the right place, <laughs> you know, you see a lot of people. Well, what should I do? I said, well, it's like two feet from your house. I don't think I'd let it get any bigger. <laughs> <laughs> that that is the one thing about this volunteer is it's right on the edge of the arena, and uh, the the horses for whatever reason love to go bite the bark off of it. But oh, it, again, yeah. it, it heals itself really quick. Yeah. <laughs> we talk about trees. How about veggies to plant right now? Why don't we go through that? Well, all of your winter, you know, we uh, very early we quickly touched on it. Yeah, it good good idea. It so winter gardens. Number one, there's a broad variety of things we can grow. Number two, it's a long season. So you can continue to replace, you know, if you used up all your lettuce or all your spinach or your onions, you can go back in and replace those. Um, so anything you eat the leaf of, the root of, or a modified flower or stem. So when I'm talking about there's cauliflower, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, um, leafy things, all your leafy greens. What? What about fun things to eat? <laughs> you don't like carrots? <laughs> oh, no, I do like carrots. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, yeah, you know, I have some kale growing in my garden that you can tell. Oh, that's I, fun. That wasn't my idea. <laughs> <laughs> that's real fun. <laughs> and, and, well, uh, but I did, plant, I did plant some of the mixed colored carrots that I'm hoping will do well for the grandkids. So they can go out there and, they, you know, there's purple and yellow and white and all these different mixed colors of carrots that, and and beets the same way i think that's kind of fun to look at so. well and then anything salad wise you know how a m- majority of the lettuce for america is going to come out of yuma we've, we've yeah, like 90 percent during the no limit to what kind of leafy uh, green you out, outside grow. of your kale <laughs> you know? well it does well here but 